0: Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door everyone and welcome to episode 62 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm happy that you are joining me here today. And actually, I say I'm your host, but I'm really joined by our very special guest host for this season of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast, Miss Amy Milsick. Amy, how are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. Thank you for asking. Well, I am so glad to have you here this season and today we are talking about a subject that I love in theory, but not so much in practice.
1: I agree completely, yes, I got to speak with Holly Giles and she shared how to make nature study exciting with your kids and actually doable for moms.
0: Okay, I am really excited to listen to this because I'm one of those people I always want to do nature study. But the bugs or the heat or the snakes or the meh just kind of gets in the way. Are you kind of like that? Oh, very much so.
1: And I live up north, so the cold is also in that equation. (laughs) So, yeah, in theory, it sounds wonderful. But then, and I have five boys, so I feel this pressure to get out there and do it. And I'm really excited about these tips that Holly
0: shares. Okay, well, I'm super excited, too, and I cannot wait to listen to those right after this word from our sponsor. With the Nature Explorer Science Curriculum, nature study has never been easier. These open-and-go guides include educational nature walk ideas to keep your family engaged for weeks. Background information is provided so parents can feel confident answering questions in the field. Back at home, you can choose from many hands-on, research-based and experimental activities to continue discovery-based learning. Or take the extensive book list to your library for some fun learning through living literature, both fiction and non-fiction selections. There are Nature Explorers curriculum guides available for nearly 20 science topics, which cover a wide range of biology and earth sciences That will work just about anywhere you are in the world. Visit OurJourneyWestward.com forward slash Pam to download your free set of Nature Explorers notebooking pages, which turn nature walks into outdoor science labs. With your download, you'll receive a special coupon code to save 20% off your first Nature Explorers science curriculum order. That's OurJourneyWestward.com forward slash Pam. And now... On with the podcast.
1: Holly Giles is a wife, mother, and storyteller. She has a passion for helping families discover their own learning style and use it to nurture their children's God-given gifts. Holly gleans from her own life with boys, embracing the outdoors and navigating the challenges of a special needs child to tell stories woven with humor that are sure to encourage the weariest of souls. Nature is her springboard to inspire other homeschoolers to a more abundant life at home. Holly is the author of Blaze New Trails, creator of the Learning Lifestyle Revival, and opens her home and life to readers at theguilesfrontier.com. She joins us on this episode to chat about nature study and give us a little glimpse into her family's homeschool journey. Welcome, Holly. Thank you, Amy. I'm so glad that we get to talk today. I can't Me wait to hear your,
2: your story. So, Tell me a little bit about your family, how long you've been homeschooling. Well, I have been married to my husband for 24 years, but our children are 11 and 14. We have two boys. So we had a big gap there, you know, are I call us the older parents. <laughs> <laughs> so we were later in life. And I tell you, I had heard of homeschooling, but I hadn't really delved into it. But, you know, wanting children for so long, I couldn't see letting my oldest son go to school. You ever thought about that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because it was wonderful to be able to have children after 10 years. And what happened for homeschooling actually was our local public school asked if I had considered homeschooling. And how that came about was our oldest son, Grayson, actually had a stroke when he was born, but it wasn't diagnosed until he was four years old. So when we found that out, you know, we were told he would have all of these disabilities and he wouldn't be able to do this and that. So I worked with him a lot at home to prepare him for school. I think you probably heard other parents say that, you know, preparing them for school. Yeah. So we went and had the battery of testing for special needs kids, you know, with the specialists and things like that. And when we got together for the round table discussion, you know, on what they're going to do with your child, They basically said that his deficits really didn't fall into a category that they were used to dealing with and that whatever I had been doing was working really well and had I considered homeschooling. (laughs) So that's how our journey began.
1: (laughs) Wow, that is so interesting because you don't always hear of the public school suggesting that, but it sounds like your experience and your helping him has just been such a tremendous blessing and just a great way to help him through. It
2: was. And of course, you heard parents talk before that if you have a special needs child, you're told that they probably are going to have a hard time learning and reading and all of those things. We were fortunate enough that Grayson did very well. He does have some deficits in other areas, but homeschooling has served him very well. And it was a good choice for our family. And so that's really how we got started.
1: Wow. It sounds like it was a really good choice for him and for all of you. So that's cool. Well, I'd love to know if you were walking down the aisle of a homeschool vendor hall and you turned the corner and met your younger self,
2: what would you tell her? Well, that was a funny question for me because I am a speaker and I am a vendor at homeschool conventions. But what I would tell my younger self is to turn around and go home. (laughs) (laughs) Tell her to go home and play with her kids and really get to know who they are What their interests are and how they learn before you ever buy anything. That would be my advice. (laughs) And to read a lot, read a lot of books.
1: I've never been to a homeschool convention myself, but I've heard it can be a bit overwhelming. And so taking that knowledge about your kids and yourself, even, and then applying it to all of the curriculum and resources available like that, I think that's a really good call there. So, good tip.
2: It is because it is so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It can be very overwhelming. And cost too much money. <laughs> That's true too. Yes. Very true. So who is your homeschool hero? Well, let's see. I think I have an odd hero. I my hero is Thomas Edison's mother. Oh. And the reason being is we've read aloud for years and years, and we love to read those childhood of, of famous Americans. Have you heard of those? Yes. And they are actually one of our favorite read loud books to do. And Thomas Edison is so similar (laughs) to my oldest son, Grayson, with all of his curiosities and experiments. And he was actually kicked out of school when he was young for being having too many questions and being curious. And they did think that there was something wrong with him. And if you think about that day and age, his mother was really brave to say, you know what, there's something about my son. And I'm going to school him at home. I'm going to let him do his experiments and curiosities and see where it leads. So, for me, if she could do that, <laughs> we can too. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very interesting
1: hero and one that is just a great role model, really, for all homeschool moms because all kids are unique and have quirks. And so, but she, you're right, she was very, very courageous in taking those steps to home educate him. So cool. Thank you. Yes. And look where it led for him. So wow. (laughs) That's encouragement for everyone. (laughs) Exactly. So fill in the blank. If my grown child blank, I will have succeeded as a
2: homeschooling mom. Well, that's a loaded question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think that my answer is if they love God, if they really are compassionate and care about people, And if they get to do what they love, no matter what the price tag comes as far as, you know, a career salary, if they get to do what they love, then I think I will have succeeded.
1: All right. Well, how do you fix a homeschool day gone bad? Because, you know, we all have those days where it's just.
2: Oh, yes. Homeschool falls apart. (laughs) I was in the middle of one of those yesterday. (laughs) Oh,
1: that's so tough.
2: Yeah. And so was I. (laughs) I think that's quite common. What always works for us, I don't know about your family, but reading aloud, reading something aloud, whether it's a book that we're working on or something funny or something like that, reading aloud together always kind of shifts the mood or listening to a a book on CD or something like that. That's what works in our house. That kind of can shift the mood into a better... Better afternoon <laughs> or evening.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you have a specific book or audiobook that you turn to or just your latest and greatest?
2: Generally, are whatever we're reading. But you know, my kids love those. Um, oh, I can't think of it now, of course. They're history stories, and it's like a radio drama. Actually, let me, I think I have them right here because if people don't know about them, they're awesome. Okay, your story hour is what they're called. Oh, cool. And they have a lot. of It's like a radio drama where it's like a play that's on audio. (laughs) And we love those. We've listened to them for years. So sometimes even just a 20 minute story on something can kind of bring them back to the day pretty quickly.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. So thank you for that suggestion. You're welcome. What would your kids say is the best part of being homeschooled?
2: I think that my kids would say the best part is being able to really dive into things that interest them and having time to do that. That would definitely be what what they would think the best part is.
1: Okay. And what would they say is the
2: worst? Well, you know, math comes every day. (laughs) (laughs) It does. Sneaky like that. And it's always looming, and I think that would probably be their word. <laughs>
1: so math. Math math, is.
2: handwriting, I don't know. One of those two. Yeah. Oh, the handwriting. I know that
1: one with boys. Yes. Boys especially. <gasps> yes. Oh, goodness. So fill in the blank. As a homeschool mom, I really rock blank.
2: <laughs> oh, come on, Amy. I really rock chaos. chaos. <laughs> I do. That's our house, for some, chaos is always imminent no matter how much I try. And I have learned to kind of embrace it and really kind of go with the flow, which was difficult for me to learn how to do. So I definitely rock the chaos that comes to our house every week. <laughs> yeah, I understand.
1: Sometimes you just have to let go and let it happen. So yeah. Rocking chaos though. That's cool. <laughs> you know, Amidst that chaos, how do you stay organized and get done what you'd like to get done? Do you
2: have any favorite apps, tools, or resources? I am a pen and paper kind of gal. That's just, I try, I try to be a planner. I have a stack of intentional planners <laughs> that I want to use. I'm not necessarily an app person because I just forget about it. And I have a very old phone as well. So it doesn't I can't seem to get those to work for me either. But I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. It's sort of half and half. I do plan. Don't get me wrong. I do have a plan for their education. <laughs> <laughs> but we really kind of thrive on the unexpected things that come along. And I've I've learned to Kind of go with that. So I would say we're kind of half and half. We have an overall plan, but our weeks can definitely kind of go in different directions and I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. So that spontaneous, the rabbit trails type thing. We definitely have fallen in many rabbit trails. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a lot like our homeschool. Very cool. <laughs> so on your site, you share a lot about nature study and I know you have your book, um, Blaze New Trails. So What do you love about nature study?
2: Nature study really is what brought out the life and curiosity of my oldest son who had had a stroke. You know, I think all of us, most of us, hopefully, had a taste of nature when we were kids. We might not have realized it at the time. And I think a lot of us might have enjoyed it, but other things, you know, it wasn't a priority. And when I had Grayson, what we started to notice is being outside just made him light up. Being curious about everything outside is what really opened up his mind to learn. So I started to wonder, what is it, you know, about nature that is bringing this child who really struggles to life? And I looked at it and thought, well, how can I use it to teach him what he needs to know? Because when we're inside sitting at a desk, he really wilted. Mm-hmm. So that's what how it started for us is I kind of saw nature through my child's eyes and it kind of reminded me of how I loved it as a child. So we just started to be in it (laughs) every day is what it was
1: for us. Now, have you found that you mentioned earlier that one of the things that your boys aren't quite fond of is math. Have you found that incorporating nature study into math or vice versa helps with that? Yes.
2: So what I did with my book is I wanted to show families that nature and your community really can touch on all the subjects that your children need to learn in their studies. So if we're talking about math, an easy thing would be the farmer's market. So no matter where you live, at some point in the year, you're going to have access to a farmer's market. And that's the perfect place to learn about money. Simple, practical math. And it doesn't have to be just the one time that you go because as your children grow, it's going to change for them. Now we're going to compare prices of food. We're going to see, is it cheaper at one booth than another? We're going to learn communication skills with the vendors there. There's so much opportunity in the outdoors at a place like a farmer's market. And if you didn't have access, the grocery store, of course, is a great place as well. But there's really farmer's markets have really kind of made a resurgence across the country and some unique places and unique things. And it's the perfect thing to get out with your kids of all ages and experience. Yeah. Farmer's market. That's a really neat idea. I was thinking you were going
1: to say something more like a hands-on type thing, but I think <laughs> that farmer's market is just a
2: great idea to, it is, to incorporate it. Is it hands-on. Yeah. Now, if, if you're at a park, of course, we can count pine cones. We can count rocks mm-hmm. and we could do publication that way. And we can do tallying and lots of things as a manipulative hands-on standpoint. But what I want families to see is that right where you live, wherever it is, in your community, and even in your backyard, you can learn so much outside of books. I'm not against books at all, but hands-on, especially for children in the elementary years, can really foster their love of learning.
1: Yeah. So more of like an environmental and learn where you are type thing. Yes. What are some simple ways to fit nature study into your homeschool without having to set aside a whole day to go on a nature walk, or if, if you don't have a woods nearby, like if you live in the city or something?
2: So it can be really simple. And what I tell families is, I like to use well, nature study is just you know the word that everyone uses, and it doesn't have to be like a pressured. I don't want people to look at it as another subject that they have to check off in their homeschool day. I want them to look at it as an opportunity to really love where you live. And so start in your own backyard. And it doesn't matter if you live in a cookie cutter neighborhood with just a little pad of grass, (laughs) there's something going on out there. So I always tell moms, especially if they don't like to go outside or get dirty is take your coffee and about 15 minutes of your day and go outside in the backyard or the front yard with your kids and just read a simple storybook to them. 15 minutes is all it takes and do that repetitively, whether you do it every day or every few days and maybe have a bird feeder or something, but you're going to start to notice what's going on around you. So that's a simple way or a walk in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter if, you know, there's driveways and concrete, there is nature and it's happening, you know, right in front of your house So going for nice walks and noticing the changes where you live is the simplest way to get started. So cultivating those
1: observation skills and just really experiencing
2: what's around you. Yes. It's not necessarily saying, okay, this week we're going to study, you know, such and such a bird, you know, make it more inviting as far as let's come out with an opportunity to read a book or play a game outside and just be a part of it and see what transpires in that way. And children oftentimes are going to notice something quicker than you. (laughs) And that can help them want to learn more, whether it's the cardinal in the backyard or a lizard or worm or something like that. So starting small and building on their curiosities. So you cover these types of tips
1: and suggestions in
2: your book, Blaze New Trails? I do. And the book is sort of designed for all families of multiple ages. And The reason I wrote it is because we had such success with Grayson, and then we just kept doing it with our youngest son. And I would meet families who say, you know, that sounds really cool what you do, but I don't know what to do, you know, when I go outside. Or is there a park that's close by? And what do I do when I get there? (laughs) So my purpose was to show families and give you concrete things to do. So I give you activities and ideas. I give you I don't like to call them worksheets, but they are, you know, Mm -hmm. activities to do when you're there. I give lots of book lists because I want it to be sort of a part of your life, the things that you do. So no matter where you live, I know you have a local park. And if it has a playground, that's great. But there's probably some trees around. There might be a trail. If you like bike riding, that's a great thing to do. And always tailor it to the age group that you have because you don't want to say, "Okay, we're going to do this (laughs) and load Mm -hmm. everybody up and we're going to backpack, you know, for 10 miles and then everyone's going to hate it and you're not going to go do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to start small with your age group. So if you have if you go to the playground for 30 minutes and have a specific activity that you've pulled out of the book and then have a snack and we're done we go home. And build on that so that the children get used to doing those kinds of things and then it helps them be more free to observe what's going on and see the bird nest or you know, see the different things that are going on and build on it that way. So the book sort of sections out how to find local parks, what to do with them. A lot of them are built on history in your area. It could have been an industrial reason why the park was built. And so you can always pull in history wherever you live in the parks that you visit. So don't look at them as just a playground or a picnic table. You can do really, you can touch on all the subjects that you're learning about in the general area that you live. I love that idea
1: because it just opens up the world of nature study to all families. So what age group would you say Blaze New Trails is for? Is it just for families or is there specific ages
2: that you would recommend it for? So it's written for all families, but a lot of families in the younger years like to use it as their source of curriculum. Now, everything we do in there is kind of applied or like basic math. It's not a math curriculum, but we show you how to incorporate that. So for the younger years, around age, you know, kindergarten, first and second grade, it's a great like a curriculum for them to do on top of their math and reading program. And then for the older ages, it kind of can go along with whatever you're doing. Some of the things that are in there are seasonal. So depending on where you live in the country is when you're going to do those types of things. And it takes most families about a year to go through the book. We do have a companion for children in third through eighth grade that kind of brings it as a full year of science for them. So we've added in more projects and more research and more history and art and things like that for them to utilize the book in a more advanced way. Okay. Is that also called Blaze New Trails or does it have a different name? It's called Blaze New Trails, but it's called the Student Companion. Oh, okay.
1: All right, great. Then um, we'll make sure to include that in the show notes, too, so everybody can check that out. So what do you think are some of the top outdoor skills or life skills that kids need to
2: learn? Well, let's see. I think that, well, even as parents, watching their parents, being prepared and always having a water and snacks, bug repellent, because that can really end your time outside. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Definitely. And learning to wear closed-toed shoes outside, because that can end your day as well. If you're, you know, wearing open-toed shoes and you step on something or an ant bites or something like that. And then for their skills, you know, really kind of look at where you live. Let's take a region that you live. And so I don't want families to say, okay, we're going to learn about birds this year and we're going to study all of the Eastern birds in, in our country. Well, if our children are studying something that they're never going to see, they might not have a great interest in it. But if it's a common bird that's in your area that they might see often, then they're going to be more excited about it. So learning where you live and the nature that's in your area. And so learning how to do field guides from the library for your region is good for them to kind of just look through it as, uh, you know, if they have book time every day that they look through something themselves that could be part of it just kind of learning what animals are in your area what to look for and then my boys would say that yeah. depending on the age everyone needs to learn how to start a fire oh that fire making is very important yes being <laughs> outdoors that's definitely from a kid's perspective and basic first aid i think basic first aid is a great homeschool class to do as a family just simple things to know what to do is really important for children. And they can start that at a young age as well. Definitely. Those are some really great tips and
1: ideas for nature study and homeschooling. And now we have come to the time for Fast Five, where I ask you five different things and you say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. First one, you just received an Amazon gift card. What are you spending it on? Books. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> the number one answer. <laughs> or Audible.
2: <what> are the... <laughs> favorite game for family game night? Right now, it's Uno. My son Grant is—that's his favorite game. Uno. Oh, Uno. I think because he can beat everybody. <laughs> I think it is.
1: <laughs> that's so funny. We have a couple of those in our family, and that's—they always pick the same games because that's what they win at. So. That's fun. And they remember how to play. And that's, that's important to them. So, yeah. Definitely. What is the best way to spend the
2: day with your kids? Our family loves to be outside. We live in Central Florida, so we love to be out on the river. Our boys are avid fishermen. And so a great day for us would be out on the water, them fishing. Sounds delightful. <laughs> I've got to have blank to
1: get me through the day. Coffee. Coffee, again, number one answer. (laughs)
2: Of course, it depends on which room I left it in and how old it is. (laughs) Oh, yes,
1: yes. (laughs) I find I have to make a whole pot just to get me through the day, even though I only end up barely drinking one cup. So (laughs) Yes,
2: because by the time you find it, you got to start over. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it was so much fun getting to know you better, Holly. How can we find you? You can find me at thegilesfrontier.com. And we have a website there where I have lots of information and activities on nature study and homeschooling. I talk a lot about inspiring families, you know, how to get through those tough days. And we also have a membership program, which is based on our books. You don't have to have our books to be a member, but it's all about bringing simplicity and those simple nature ideas into your days at home. And all that's on our website. Okay, wonderful. We'll make sure to include that all in
1: the show notes. And it was just so fabulous to talk to you today, Holly. Thank you,
2: Amy. I enjoyed you as well. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Well, there you have it.
1: Now, if you'd like links to any of the books and resources that Holly and I talked about today, you can find them in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com backslash HSP 62. I can't wait to share some more great homeschool chats that will encourage, inspire, and motivate you. Until then, rock your homeschool!